Bible books in 30 minutes. Through the Bible, book by book, with author, pastor and Bible teacher, Mike Beaumont, who's talking to David Tavner. I actually find it always very exciting to go over the whole story of the Bible, because I think very often Christians come to the Bible as though it were a sort of collection of special promises and verses at random. One of my earliest memories as a child was my grandma, who was a member of the Salvation Army, used to have a thing called a promise box. And some older listeners might remember those. And what they were, it was this beautiful gold-covered box, uh, and there were little scrolls inside, and you had a little pair of tweezers or tongues. And this was the special treat on Sunday afternoons. We were allowed to pick out one of these little scrolls that stood like soldiers on their end, so you couldn't see what was inside. And you picked it out and you opened it and it said, I will never leave you nor forsake you or whatever. And it was great and very encouraging. But, you know, many Christians come to the Bible like that as though it were a, a promise box, a whole bunch of random promises that don't relate to one another. And I think the thing about looking at a whole sweep of the Bible as we've been able to do over these past 52 episodes is it it gives you a chance to remember again that the Bible is is a story book that is it is a book of a story. It is the story of how God brought a beautiful world into being and of how human beings ruined that through their selfish choices and how that had consequences that affected the whole human race as we see in Genesis 1 to 11. But God has a plan and that plan kicks in from Genesis 12 when he calls a man called Abraham, a man who at this point did not know him, did not believe in him, but calls him to go to the land that he showed him and said, I'm going to build a worldwide family of faith through you. And Abraham says, I believe you, Lord. And then the Bible tracks through this story of, of Abraham's descendants. Abraham's son, who has a son called Isaac, who has a son called Jacob, who has 12 sons that become the 12 tribes of Israel. And one of those sons is Joseph, who ends up in Egypt and he's able to bring God's people down to Egypt, therefore to avoid a famine. And they're there for a long time, 400 plus years. But eventually they're put into slavery by Egypt and God hears their cry and rescues them under Moses and leads them out of there through the wilderness where he gives them the law and the covenant and takes them into that promised land under the leadership of Joshua and the judges that followed. And then how Israel asks for a king. Uh, and it's a very mixed blessing, but God still works it round. And eventually when Saul fails, gives them a, a good king, King David, who has a son called Solomon. But the stupidity of his son leads to the nation splitting in two. Israel and Judah, never to come back together again. And how that northern nation gets exiled, scattered to the winds forever, and how the southern nation gets exiled, but is brought back to Israel again. And how from that people eventually will come the promised Messiah, promised throughout the whole of the Old Testament, who would be a Messiah 
an anointed one, a savior, not just for Israel, but what God had intended from the beginning, that through Israel, he would be able to reach the nations of the whole earth and find a family of people like Abraham who believed in him. And the gospels are the story of Jesus, that Messiah, and the good news that he brought and how that climaxed in his death for our sin and his resurrection. And then of the church being born as he returns to heaven and the spirit is given. And of how that church went out and impacted the known world. Within 20 years, they've reached amazing lengths. And so we get the story of that in Acts and some of the ups and downs that they went through in Acts and in the letters and how we see this is a movement that cannot be stopped and climaxing in the book of Revelation that we looked at recently, where we see that despite all the opposition that comes against God and his people, Jesus is on the throne and ultimately Jesus wins. And at the end, there will be a family of faith gathered around Jesus in his renewed creation, just as he had always planned from the beginning. And that is an exciting story. And even more exciting is that it is an open-ended story that invites you and me to become part of it today. And as we've looked at that story arc, the whole 66 books, there have obviously been a number of authors, if you like, a number of people who've written the Bible. So just remind us of who, who they are. Yeah, we, we've seen a whole number, haven't we? Uh, Moses, obviously one of the big ones in the Old Testament, responsible for that first shelf in the library, as we described it, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So he was a key player there. Then sometimes we don't know who actually wrote particular books in the history books we we don't really know even the books of Samuel not written by him but named in honor of him and telling his story and of the early kings of Israel we get people like David who wrote some of the psalms and Solomon also wrote some of them some of the wisdom literature which Solomon contributed to then a whole number of the prophets of course we've got a whole collection of their writings, haven't we? You know, we looked at some of what we call the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and then some of those, sounds terrible to call them minor prophets, but remember minor simply because their books are small, but people like Amos who challenged the materialism of his day and Hosea who challenged the adultery, the spiritual adultery of his day as people wanted a bit of God and a bit of other gods on, on the side and prophets who challenged God's people when they came back from exile and, and encouraged them like Haggai and Zechariah. Uh, oh, and then we've got those folk who wrote the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, who some of them were eyewitnesses to what they had seen there. Others like Luke carefully researching from first-hand witnesses. And in one of our discussions, we spoke about how Luke and Mark ended up together at one point in Rome. And we imagined them swapping stories and Luke busy with his notebook, jotting things down again, because he said he carefully researched it. Paul, of course, one of the big contributors to the New Testament, 
that Pharisaic Jew who was resolved on rooting out Christianity once and for all, determined to squash it. And yet he has this amazing encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And his whole life is turned round as the one whom he thought was dead and whom he is opposing stands in front of him and says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting and I'm going to send you to the Gentiles to take my message. And people like Peter, who'd been one of the original followers of Jesus, his own family, Jesus's own family, James and Jude contributing to it. John, one of the original disciples who contributes so much, his gospel, three letters and, and the book of Revelation. So some amazing people here we have seen who've contributed to the books that we now have in our Bible. One quick question, as we've explored each of those 66 books do you have a favorite in the old testament i personally love exodus i love the story of a god who hears the cry of his people and who rescues them and who takes them on a journey that's bigger than they've imagined i mean that's been my experience with with jesus jesus took me on a journey that i could never have imagined i i grew up as a a lad in a mining village in South Yorkshire uh, in a very poor family. And the thought that one day I would travel this globe sharing the news of Jesus, if you told me that then, I would have thought, no. And I think that's how it was for Moses and the people who were with him. And I, I love Exodus because it, yeah, it's got a lot of like the rituals of the law, but such revelations of God we find there where he makes himself known to Moses as the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. And that verse is written in my heart because I know that that is what God has done for me. And that's the message I love to take to people, that this is what God is like. Yes, the point comes where he does Judge sin, as that verse goes on to say, but that's the sort of God we encounter in the Bible. So Exodus is is definitely sort of one of my favorites from the Old Testament. Come to the New Testament, man, I, I'm not even sure where to begin with that. I love the stories of Jesus, of course, and I probably love Luke because he's so detailed and precise and I love his interest and his compassion for the poor and needy and the outsider and his interest in how the Holy Spirit changes things that continues in the book of Acts. So, yeah, it's a real challenge to give you an answer to that, but there, there's a couple of favourites. I guess you're wanting to say don't just read it like you would read a novel. Yeah, you know, th this is a book, but it is a book that is utterly different to any other book. It's a book that's given to us by God. And by that, you know, we don't mean it dropped out of heaven. This is not like a telegram direct from heaven. Um, this is a book that was written by people. But there's a great verse in the New Testament that, that talks about how this book was written uh, as they hoisted their sails to the Holy Spirit and God led them to where he wanted them to be in, in one of Peter's letters. So these books are in a whole range of different styles and genres and ways of writing and in different historical contexts. But each one of them is 
it's not just someone thinking, oh, I think it'd be a good idea if I wrote this story, Dene. They were stirred, prompted by the Holy Spirit to do that. Even as they started writing and started thinking, okay, so how am I going to write this? And were praying and the Holy Spirit led them in such a way that what they wrote in this book was exactly what God wanted written. I find that the mystery of this book. What they wrote was exactly what God wanted written. This is not their best endeavours to describe God and his story. This is God so filling them with his spirit that what they are writing is what he wanted them to have written. That's why Paul says in 2 Timothy that all scripture is inspired by God. The word means breathed into by God. God so breathed into the writers that they were inspired and the writings they wrote were inspired. So this book is in a different category. Now, I've had people come to me at times and say, well, why should I, why should I treat this book any different to any other ancient book? It's probably got stuff wrong and, it, and, you know, probably a bit like Chinese whispers. Things get changed as they go along. Well, there's lots of answers to those, including answers from archaeology and history and all sorts of things that show what an incredibly carefully written this book was. But the answer I give to them normally is, well, why don't you start reading it? Because, you see, you will best understand this book if you understand its author. And its ultimate author behind all the authors is God himself. So, you know, if someone were listening to this and they'd never read the Bible before, I would say to them, well, OK, why don't you start by reading, say, Luke's account of the life of Jesus and start to look at the picture that we get there of God and what Jesus says and and even pray and say, you know, you might have to pray and say, God, I don't even know if you are there. But if you are there and if you are real, would you please speak to me as I read a bit of this story of Jesus's life each day? And wherever I've invited people to do that, they invariably end up meeting the God who is behind this book. They they discover um this God who has sent Jesus to us. And it's in discovering him that it's like a way in and you think, oh, oh, I see. And then you start to explore a bit more about the background to this story. So it's a book written by many authors, but those many authors had one author standing behind them. And that's why throughout the Bible, there is one message that ultimately comes through the different messages and the different messengers because God's inspired them to write this book. And that's what makes it different to every other book. And if, if you don't believe that, or you're not sure about that, then start reading it with an open mind and start to let it speak to you and reveal this God to you who is there, who loves you and who is waiting for you. And what difference has reading all 66 books meant to you and your life? I think probably what it has brought home to me that, yeah, here is a book of history, real people, real events, but it's a history that is unfolding. And I think what it shows me is that I can be invited into that history that is still ongoing. You know, the book of Acts ends very open-endedly with 
with Paul there under house arrest in, in Rome. And it's like, and you won't say, and what happened next? And the and what happened next is you and me. And so the difference it's made for me is, is to give me perspective. Very often, you know, we can reduce Christianity to, oh, put, put your trust in Jesus and you'll go to heaven when you die. And I believe that's true. But it's such a small part of the big picture. Put your trust in Jesus, become part of his big family. And you can become part of this big, exciting story. And I think over the many years of reading these books, it, it's given me that a sense of perspective that, that God is the God of history. He has his hand on history. He's taking it somewhere and he's taking hold of the mess that human beings have made of this world. And he's working steadily, slowly, but inexorably towards a, a great conclusion that I'm invited to be a part of. So it gives me perspective on, on my own life. It, at one level, it reminds me how small and insignificant I am. And yet it invites me to dare to believe that as I step into the story of Jesus, I too can become a significant player and participant in this story that God is still working out in this world. For anybody who's perhaps just discovered this series of episodes, what would you hope anybody would gain? I hope it would help them to know Jesus and God better. Clearly, you know, it would be great for them to know lots more about the book. And I hope that our very short overviews, and I mean, we've really had to skimp at times, haven't we? Particularly when we got to a book like Revelation, we could only skim the surface and look at broad themes. But I hope it's given them a hunger and a passion to dig a bit deeper into God's word for themselves. And, uh, you know, if you want to do that and you want to take the next step, get yourself a good Bible, get yourself a study Bible. There are all sorts of study Bibles out there with notes that will help explain some of the difficult bits. If you want to go further still, get hold of some commentaries, which are books of explanation on each book of the Bible. If you're not sure where to start, you know, ask your local church leader for some recommendations. Say, I want to read, look, what would be good to go with it? So I'm hoping that it would stir people who want to dig a little bit deeper into these very different but very exciting books. But my biggest hope of all is that in getting into these books, this series might have provoked you to want to get into God himself, whose book it is. Mike Bowman has been talking to David Taverner. Listen to more episodes anytime. Bible books in 30 minutes. Through the Bible, book by book, from Genesis to Revelation. This is a United Christian Broadcasters production. For more about UCB, check out the website at ucb.co.uk.